0: Hello, listeners. Sorry about that abrupt change in music and all that stuff, you know. I am a little rough with the recording, but I think I'm trying to be more consistent. Well, it's a beautiful day in the Keys here. I, I'm sitting with this dog named Henry, who's one of our... is the dog I'll be watching for 12 days... So, one of my regulars went on a Alaskan cruise, and uh, I got the chance to spend with this little Maltese, Henry, who's getting to know us. But that's a relationship, right? A dog, and whoever is caring for it. I'm going to try not to say owner, because, you know, we're just taking responsibility for each other, I guess. That's what... I think the relationship between that, a dog and a, and a person, is, but I'm not talking about that today. I wanted to talk about just generally relationship. For my case, and I think it would work with anybody's relationship with significant others, whether you're heterosexual, homosexual, transsexual, you know, and have all these different. Other ones, and I'm not making light of it. You like what you like, and love is what it is, and relationships are what it is. But the only experience I can personally ascribe to or recount are my own. I mean, I can recount someone else's experience, but that more that's more hearsay, and I can only try be truthful and in depth about my own. And I was just thinking of the about the progression. Of what I thought of relationships, or my relationships, over the years. I know a lot of times I, I I can't really attribute that. Just like I, when I tell people when I come into my when they come in my spin class, your workout is personal. So whatever you're looking to gain, people that come in the workout sometimes they're looking for a social aspects, sometimes they're looking to uh, lose weight, sometimes they're looking to get uh, conditioned build up muscles and things like that and they have to take different steps and it's not all the same. Same thing goes with relationships. Some people are looking for loose, friendly relationships. Others are looking for intimate, uh, romantic relationships. And I can kind of trace back my progression to when I was eight, nine years old. Eight or nine years old. I wouldn't say eight and nine years old. But at one time, my father's best friend had two daughters. One was around my age, maybe a year younger. And he brought my brother and my sister over. And I was, uh, I guess, closest in age to two girls, one in, in particular. And during our visit, we played a little cat and mouse game, this girl. She was chasing me around. She was being uh, a little aggressive. And me being in a, a clueless eight or nine-year-old uh, didn't appreciate it as much. Well, I did. I guess I did. I just didn't know how to manifest it. I was excited about it. I was just running away. Hell, I wouldn't know what to do if she caught me. And I'm going to tell you by recounting my history that for, it was quite some time. That I that I'd be able to even contemplate what I would do if I was caught. So this is, gosh, forty nine to fifty years ago, and I just remember years. I recall she was a pretty girl. I thought she was cute and stuff like that. I just, I guess, when you're afraid and you're not sure, you just kind of run away. And then we did that for like an hour or two, running around. And then I don't think there was any that much interest every time I seen her because I always go back as I got older and say, I think I know what to do now. I think I know what to do. And it wasn't anything nefarious when I say you do. I mean, just saying, you know, get caught and see what it was like. So when I was younger, eight, nine, 10, 11, uh, the most exposure I had to women, you know, besides the students in school and your friend group and all that stuff were relatives and your distant relatives. And yeah, I knew I was interested in girls, but I had little, little in the ways of conversational wit. And I always thought that you needed that when you were, I mean, in other words, talking to the fairer sex for my part. And I, I'm saying, you know, that could be if you're a guy interested in a guy or a girl interested in a girl, it could be the same thing. You, you Whatever you call it. Your your item of your attraction or what you're interested in so I didn't have that wit and every all the content I got was lifted from movies and television I recall telling one girl who was in my friend group real pretty girl I think her name was Trish and we were sitting it was it was in Philadelphia in the city we had just finished ice cream or something like that. We were doing something, going for a walk, and we sat down. And I got to sit down and talk to this Trish, and I just come up with this comment. I said, have you ever heard of Animal Attraction? And I think, for some reason, this girl's like, what the F are you talking about? But I don't think she said F- I mean, whatever they said. Whatever they said at that time. I was 11 or 12 years old. And she was around the same age. And after I said it, you know, you get the quizzical look. You can pretty much put crickets playing in the grand um, singing in the background. I was not going to get any interest in that. And that's all I was looking for. I was just looking for some interest because I had no plans after that. I was taking tiny baby steps. So my ultimate goal in the beginning was just getting someone to be interested in me and liking me which I probably had that anyway but I didn't have it in the way I thought they would have it and there wasn't a plan for a kiss or copping a feel or anything I don't even want to say nefarious but nothing deeper than that I know other people have earlier expressions of human sexuality it didn't, it, it came late for me, I guess. I mean, because all my interactions up until, gosh. I was 16, 17, were G, and maybe bordered on PG. And that's if it was a movie rating. Meaning a general audience. You could have anybody, you can have me sit next to a girl. There was not going to be anything untoward. There was be no... Um, Uh, You know, a conservative uh, Jew or an Amish family or anything had nothing to fear from young Jim Haran or Muslim. You know what I mean? I'm just going with real people that are real restricted on uh, opposite sex interaction. They did not have anything to fear. I mean, the only thing is that I may talk directly to them, and if that was against it, then I would be in trouble there. So for years, I had these short intermittent interactions multiple times one time and it was for I had my mother had gotten remarried and this was her I think it was her third marriage well I know she only's been married three times her third marriage and we had moved and I only lived in this one place for like two weeks with her it was on base housing in Maryland, uh, military base housing. She married a guy in the Air Force. And we just got settled in, in in this neighborhood, and there were other military families there. And I had missed the last meeting. We went to enroll at the school. The school I went to saw my grades and said, you're not going to gain anything for the last two or three weeks of school by coming here. Why don't you just come back, and your grades are good enough you can go to the next year. So... I had had been spending the last couple summers in North Carolina at my aunt and uncle's campground. So I was going to stay a, about a week, week and a half, and then go to the campground in North Carolina. And uh, I met, there was a pretty girl I thought was pretty for, you know, a 13-year-old at the time. And... We sat and talked. The girl had some interest in all this stuff, and here I am. like It was like two days before going to North Carolina. I think that made me even more attractive to the girl. I said, where are you going? I'm going to a campground. For um, Oh, you're going to a camp like rich kids? I said, no, I'm working on a campground. It's not like for young kids' campground. It's for you know families that come with big trailers and tents and all that stuff. So, but I didn't gain. I didn't gain anything. I just got a little interest, which was you know where it was. And then when I was at the campground, and nothing ever came of that because I I didn't move back there. I think when I came back, I ended up. Um, we we were living. They were, they were finishing up on base. They went someplace else, and then I ended up going to my living with my father, but that couple summers in north carolina we talked some of the daughters of some of the campers nothing came of that i had two older cousins Oh they weren't uh they, they were good guys they would get some interest from the girls but not much more than any of us i guess we were all just we didn't have game i guess my oldest cousin may have had game and the other cousins the the oldest cousins that didn't run with us that were older than you know 18 and up They were either already hooked up or they were doing all right on their own. So I struggled. I struggled. Went on to eighth grade. Uh, Not much going on there until high school. And, you know, you think high school is a big triumphant entry. But I ended up wanting to and going to an all-boys Catholic school. And it was joined to another school. It was one big school that was a. Asymm- it was symmetric. It was the same building on one side and the other, and in the middle they had an auditorium. They had two cafeterias, and they had connected hallways. And the connected hallways, I guess the intention was that could eventually become a, uh, a single school when it was built in, uh, 1970. But on the other side of the iron accordion gate was the girls' high school. And you just see these, all these girls, just an uninterrupted flow of girls in the Catholic school girl outfits. And here I was, uh, a 14, 15-year-old high school kid on the other side, just staring across. And similar, I guess, to a prison where there's a woman's prison on one side and a guy's prison on the other. I won't call it a prison because I had a great time in high school. But our interactions in high school, we had a shared library too. We had a shared library, but they kept, they had two, uh, they had a nun and an old, old priest watching out that there wasn't too many interactions there. And not that most, most of these guys had no skill in that and i didn't learn much there and there was a no man's land behind our cafeteria when i say no man's land the cafeteria was in the back of the building and there was a girl's cafeteria and a guy's cafeteria they weren't connected they had a wall between it i think they shared a kitchen with the same equipment on either side and out the back doors you could go outside you know get a little you know during cafeteria time go outside and they had a, a delivery driveway a short one like uh, 40, 50 feet where trucks pull in to supply the cafeteria. And you couldn't get in that area because that was the no man's land. And there were girls on one side, guys on the other, guys who'd be pitching quarters against the wall, you know, kind of gambling and stuff like that and doing whatever they're doing, playing ass ball. We called it ass ball. You'd, you, would, uh, It was handball up against the wall. And if you missed, you had to go and crouch with your head in the corner of where the wall met the ground, and you'd cover up as best as you can, uh, you know, squeeze down with your ass sticking out, kind of uh, 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 kneeling, and get as small as possible, because guys would take the ball and throw it as hard as they can, trying to nail you in the nuts. Yeah, I know. That's what high school kids did then. So... We had all those things. You had to access. You could see the girls. You could talk to them before you go to school. You can walk into it, but you know, what was the fun of that? The walking in. No I mean, you, you see it in. The, I saw it in the movies. I know guys talk to girls. I talked to some of my sister's friends, but they didn't want anything to do with me. My sister's one year older than me. I was late, uh, sent back one year. So here I am when I'm a, a freshman. They're juniors, so I wasn't going to get any ground from that. But I get to talk to them every so often, get a little practice in. And I still, like I said, it was uh, G-rated. And on the weekends, though, every so often, uh, we would go. I got my license first among all my friends, ostensibly, to drive my sister to work and my grandmother around shopping, which I did. I did. I did fulfill that, but that driver's license also gave me the freedom to go to these school dances, which a lot of these other Catholic schools would have. Like that, and the boys' schools and the girls' schools. Most of the schools in the city of Philadelphia there was uh, there was no co-ed Catholic schools in high school at the time, and they had on the weekends had these dances, and you go there and i wouldn't go i went to a couple of my own high school dances meaning the high school dances my school hosted but for some reason the girls that went to the same high school didn't really want anything to do with the guys that went to the same high school they wanted a guy from another high school it was just the way it is so I quickly found out we'd be more successful, and we weren't more successful in order we to get dancing. Among my friends, um, I was the one that had probably. I was up there with the interactions. I could interact with more women. That's not saying a lot in the group of friends I had. And they were great guys, and they got, and they got very successful with that, with women later on. But we were slow starters. We weren't in the group uh, where. You know the guys were already successful, and if I was the one they were dependent on to be successful, it was going to be like a long, long time for. Them. But try, tries I make mean, it was all like a lot of touch and go with interacting with girls, trying to get figure out a way. How am I going to get a date and have a girlfriend? Right. I had the car, had this thing, and I had a couple times, gave a ride to, to a girl, talked to a girl, and then finally, I met one, and I remember her name, I'm not going to say her name, because I didn't ask her to say this, but I can say her first name, her name was Lisa, met her in high school, and she was a junior, I was a junior, uh, little, little uh, short stature, pretty, pretty girl with glasses, I didn't appreciate as much then, because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, Nothing that anything was being done. Nothing was attempted. I think I may have had an arm around her. You know? And I took her to, if I remember the movie, I took her to this movie that starred Neil Diamond, which I should have known that was a mistake right then. And this girl's father was a police officer. And I was all a 16... 17 years old and this guy was a grown man and a police officer and he must have known I had no game or any intentions because he did not give me a warning. He was not aggressive to me. He was just very nice. He was very nice to me. And I'm thinking, how insulting is that upon reflection? How insulting is that to my manhood that you weren't worried about that, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, but no, he he must have known, he said, this guy's not going to do anything, and I didn't, and we went on a couple dates and stuff like that, and then progressively as the years gone by, it's my end of high school year, um, years started closing down, and into college, that's when things started, the ball started rolling, and it still was to look for that connection, I made the connection, and then the next thing was, Oh, I was feeling these physical things, right—the normal physical things. I won't go into detail about that because that's like kissing and telling, you know, a lot of kissing, a lot of groping, a lot of feeling up and stuff like that, and 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 uh, trying to see how far you can go. And it was still not, you know, I re- I was pretty much a virgin until I was like 19 years old, right? And I was with a girl for a, li- a little while then, at the time. And each year I was getting more comfortable talking to them, than talking to women. Henry said, like, oh, we're going to go outside. We're going to go outside, Henry. But I kind of lost, you know, that, that goal of the connection. And I was thinking of another connection. I'm going to pause this right now because it looks like Henry wants to go to the outside of the bathroom. I will be back. And listen for the music when I come back, because that means I'll be back. But we're going to put a, a pin in this one about the connections, okay? Hold on, Henry. Hold on, okay? Stop. So, I'm going to get, he, he is such a good dog. But I will be back in a moment. So, I'm back. Okay, where were we? Okay, I was progressing getting a little knowledge and I think, I lo- like I said I lost that uh, original incentive to get a connection with someone and it got more and more as time went on when I got more accustomed to the physical and that's sex that it came became about sex all the connections I looked for all the women and every so often there would be ones that I would ignore my initial what would you call it drive meaning the sex drive and then I'd say you know I could go for a, a longer relationship with this person and I felt uh, some I guess some order of commitment. I hate to make it sound like it's crass, but yeah, it was because there's only, for me, it's like you either committed or you're not. It's an on or off switch. And I'm not telling you how you should live your life. There's all different ones. But my I always wanted, I just wanted the connection. And yes, sex was very important. So from my, my uh, late teens... Into my until I was thirty five, thirty six. When I got engaged at thirty six, it was just a progression. Very physical relationships, interspersed with a couple long term ones. Uh, early on in my career, when I say career, I hate to say it, it's like a vocation. But I would be broken up when I, uh, broken up, meaning feel. Like, hey, I was I was rejected. Whenever the relationship would fall apart, whether it was my fault or their fault, uh, whose fault? You know, it just wasn't meant to be. I wasn't ready for it. So, all those years were becoming and Then I get married, but I still had this thing in my head. I didn't. I always thought I had a connection, especially with my first wife. And, you know. Even though you feel you have a connection, doesn't mean you're going to be able to have the same goals and things like that. And there was going to be disagreements, and there's going to be things you don't see eye to eye with. And we worked on them as much as we can. And now, after a certain time, when it didn't work, not now, but then in 2007, we decided to separate and then eventually get divorced. And had to reevaluate everything. And fortunately, and I don't say fortunately, you're going to say, I discovered I was an alcoholic. Now, when you have the opportunity to find out that there's something controlling your life, and it was alcohol for me at the time, and I guess it's always that way, uh, you have to look at everything. You have to think of the things you've done. If you're working, if you're working a program, you know, there's other people get sober. I understand we're not talking about that today. We're talking about relationships. And then I thought about all my relationships. And I said, boy, I wasn't really forthcoming with it. And while I was uh, initially got sober, several relationships I had in the beginning of being sober were I was forthright. With my expectations from, it. I did not tell him, you know, make any promises. This and that. Um, I had, you know, one one heartbreak, and 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 then I, I met the love of my life, and I thought what was important. The importance uh, I had before was a connection, and I realized that it wasn't just a connection. I I still had that thing where. I'm a human and I'm sexually attracted, so that was important too. But it wasn't exclusive of the other things. I wasn't looking for a perfect match. I wasn't looking for someone that understands me. I was looking for someone that appreciated me for who I was and who I was trying to be, it sounds like. A, uh, and, and I appreciated them for who they were and their sense of humor uh, I wanted a, a kindness, a general kindness towards other people. Uh, an ease of sociability, knowing people. And and I found it with with Abby. And it took a cir- circuitous route for me to find the person I really care about. I know I glossed over all those years from 18... The But you could find those years if you were just looking at any movie about guys going out and trying to get some. That was me. And I was drinking. A lot of the times, I don't even remember. I don't remember. That does not excuse my behavior, but I don't even remember some of the people I had uh, relations with. Yep, and I was tested, and I, I, was, I was relatively safe because I got active right in the time of age, so I was using condoms. And, but that that's a blur, and I don't want to talk about things that aren't innocent because there's other people involved. And I don't, you know, I don't want to bring that up. I just, and who knows, one or two of them can be listeners of the podcast. But all those people I met, they had a modicum of... They were Most of them, almost all of them were very nice. Very kind people. And you know, you run into a couple people. There'll be a couple people that aren't that well, let's say. And they have issues of their own. We can't just point the finger at us all the time. I, I don't like to point the finger at anybody. But you say there's very few of us that are all bad or even mostly bad. So, and it becomes a real, when you're soul searching for your, you know, some of your behavior that was less becoming of your idealized version of what, for me at least, what a man should be, it would be easy to fall into that practice way of saying, well, I wasn't good. I wasn't this. I was this. I was dog shit. I didn't treat people correctly. And there were a lot of cases I didn't. And there was a couple cases where uh, a small, a few cases where I was the one taken advantage of. Right? But it was mainly emotional. It was emotional like when you, when you don't reveal what your intentions are, your long-term intentions, or you could let, you know, I knew my failings were like, you start making promises of of, of a permanence that you weren't ready to be permanent. You were saying that, you know, I want this to be real. I want this to be that. And you're just, your goal is something physical. So, it was a progression, and I don't know if it had. To, it has to be that way. It doesn't know. I, I. It. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to learn uh, the hard way. But there's such a desperation for people when they're growing up. I see it today among some of the, uh, my daughter's friends, and and. And things like that. They they just they feel the need they have to be partnered up. They're they get they think their first relationship is gonna be it's it's a permanent thing. They don't think about the next they don't think about the possibility of the next one. And and that's the it's it's not I guess that's how they learn. That's how they learn, but you don't have to get through all that destructive stuff. And usually for me, that was adding the, adding the alcohol. But like I said, I didn't want to make it alcohol. I just talked about the progression. What I wanted in the beginning was a connection and a recognition of that connection. And it, it took me all this time, all these years until I was in my mid to later 40s to realize that all I had to do was be open to it. And I can start appreciating someone for the things I wanted years ago, but didn't know exactly who I was. You know, I don't think about the lines when I write uh, my, I'm going to write my Abby a, a note. I try to make it sincere. You always think in your head that you're writing something original, but isn't it, humans are like, Huge databases and you're thinking of the things that you've read and you put them together and you take little scripts of it. You're like editing things. You should be footnoting. It seems like you should be footnoting a love letter. Cause it's almost all always derived from another source. Right? But it doesn't, it doesn't really matter as long as you're like, those words correspond to your feelings. And I think I'm a lot more expressive of who I am. I wish I had done that earlier, but then again, I guess I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't uh, gone off the beaten track. I mean, it's a shame. And luckily, I didn't tie someone down long enough where they can say... When I say tie down, I mean, encumbered them in a relationship with a guy who had a drinking problem. Other than my ex-wife. You know, which I... uh, I don't know how that affected her as much, but I did attempt to apologize. I I did try working with her on that interesting thing in the therapy that we went through. I'm not talking about what we talked about, but not once was... uh, Alcohol was brought up once or twice in each session, and a lot of it was like tamped down after that. And not necessarily... uh, I I didn't reject it. I, I just... I was... I don't think I was open to the possibility that I had a drinking problem at that time. So that—that's a fail. Who would have known what uh, what would have came of that? But here I am today, realizing that when I see somebody now, when I see a a, a person, I look I look for that connection inside, not just the, the long term romantic connection that I have right now, but connections with people using my friendships business business dealings sometimes uh, you know depending on how desperate you are and that's like in a relationship too but if you're desperate for a business connection sometimes you'll overlook some of the signs of uh, they say hey maybe you should think this over the way someone is sometimes you're not as objective as you should be If you're desperate for, you know, if you're a single person, you're desperate for a relationship, you may overlook some things that you say, hey, this is a warning sign. This is not what I was looking for. And hear every so often I hear people say, well, I'd rather just be single if I can't have what I, uh, you know, I don't have what I want. If it's not exactly what I want, I'd rather be single. In some cases, that is the best choice. But you should never let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Good relationships have a lot to offer. And a lot of the perfect relationships we think that are out there aren't necessarily that perfect. Good gives you a good relationship gives you room to work, to improve, and also something to fall back on when you have a troubled time. I mean, a perfect relationship. I don't know what that's like. I mean, who has who? Who's to say what's perfect? You know. So for now, I'm just like I. I just put this out there just to think. I was thinking about how I. I evaluate uh, people and how I. How I approach a relationship, and there's Henry barking again. I'm gonna put that. this I'm gonna make this a uh, put a pin in this episode. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Uh, Stay tuned. Maybe I'll be back tomorrow. Bye.